here today with Sipa's uh, Julia Hamm and uh, Sia's Roan Resch. Their thoughts on what, we, what we've seen in 2013 so far and what they sort of project forward. We're here at uh, PV America. So the, the question is, what are you guys hearing so far um, from your members about the state of the solar industry so far in 2013? And how does it match up to what they were predicting at the end, end of 2012? It's a great question. Um, you know, right off the bat, obviously, it's beginning of February, so we're early into the year. But some of the announcements, I think, what we saw in January uh, are very telling as to what's happening already this year and what we can expect to see this year. Um, you know, there were three big announcements, including uh, Governor Cuomo's announcement in New York State about expanding that program, um, Warren Buffett and Mid-American Holdings uh, investing in solar, and then there was, uh, there was another very large... Uh, non-traditional series of banks that invested um, in in several other large solar projects. So I think you know what we're seeing is this continuation of a transformation of the industry uh, from you know, solar-specific companies to more traditional, either investors or developers from other um, energy sectors expanding into the solar space, and all of that's good. All of that is. Um, providing stability and credibility to the marketplace um, that we probably couldn't do on our own as the solar industry. And, and so I think it bodes well, <coughs> not only for this year, but for the future. Uh, that being said, we fully expect, and w the numbers we hear from some of the PV module manufacturers, they're sold out for, for 2013. And, um, and so we expect this to be a uh, you know, four and a half gigawatt year, perhaps even larger um, with, with projects kind of spanning the full range. So, you know, continued increase in residential, uh, continued increase in, in commercial, um, and, you know, some fluctuations in utility scale, uh, simply because, you know, when you bring on some of the big projects, they have a huge impact in the market, and depends on how many are going to come on in 13 versus 14. But overall, very promising year for the industry. Yeah, and, and, you know, to pick up on Ron's last comment here, I think, you know, looking once we get past 2013 and look back, one of the things... Um, I think that will really stand out is the number of large utility-scale projects that either at least begin construction, but many of which actually are commissioned this year. So a number of projects, both PV and CSP projects, that you know contracts were signed years ago are really finally beginning to sort of rubbers meeting the road this year with those projects. So I think we're going to see a lot of great movement on some of those really large projects this year. Um, you know, and not to say necessarily that we'll see as many uh, projects that large, you know, newly coming online in future years beyond what's already contracted, but I think we're going to, you know, look back and see this as a year where, wow, there was a lot of really big solar coming online. Well, that's interesting because I wanted to follow up on that. What I heard, um, they were talking about the fact that they see, somebody made the point that um, with the expiration of 1603, we had a lot of front-loaded utility projects last year, and that this year the utility pro the utility scale sector was going to slow down considerably, um, in part because utilities in Arizona and Colorado have met their RPSs and have basically said, "All right, well, we've met the RPS, we're done." How do you? What do you hear about that? Is that an accurate 
characterization that I've heard, or what do you see going on in the utility sector? Well, so, so I think it's really about looking forward. I think we won't see as many, again, like I said, new big projects getting announced because a lot of the utilities have filled sort of the pipeline that they need in order to meet their RPS requirements in the Southwest. But for example, Solana in Arizona, you know, that project is, mid, you know, in the middle of construction now. It's, it's going to be a major milestone for the industry, great project. Um, and so there, there are other examples like that that you know are going to be big deals for 2013. You know, and, and to address the, the lack of the 1603 uh, piece with the expiration of the Treasury Grant Program, some of these like Solana and Ivan Paw and even a lot of the big PV projects, um, they commence construction mm -hmm. uh, by the expiration date of last year, so yep. they still qualify. For uh, for the 1603 program, and we're, we're talking about the big boys, right? You know, the, the 300 plus megawatt types of projects, um, which is great, and, and 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 that is is exciting. But the 1603 program was placed uh, in order to address inadequacies in the tax equity market. So when we created that in the Recovery Act, it was de designed to deal with an issue we had at that time. Something is going to change in 2013, which probably most people haven't talked about which was the extension of the production tax credit. It happened so late in 2012 that there are going to be very few wind projects coming online in 2013. So some of the traditional tax equity investors in wind projects who had dabbled in solar will find a lot more opportunity in solar. And frankly, there will be more availability of tax equity uh, for our industry this year than in previous years, hence uh, the, the, the lack of need for 1603 projects for some of the new stuff that might be coming on that is, uh, uh, you know, maybe not as big as some of the large projects we talked about earlier. And, and it wouldn't surprise me, I mean, no, no, no guarantees, but it would not surprise me if in 2013 we started to see movement with utilities at the holding company level taking advantage of their tax appetite and making some equity investments uh, in the solar industry. So. A little teaser there. More, more to come. <laughs> well, and there's some tweaks to the tax code that still need to be done in order to make sure that utilities can actually uh, take advantage of, of the investment tax credits. So we we are well aware of that and trying to get that addressed as well. Which leads me into the next the next logical question, which is, I'm still hearing um, out in the industry that that there is a lack of financing for projects. And, and utility scale is one thing because that has a certain amount of, of heft to it. But when we're talking about residential and commercial, um, particularly those those sectors, um, I'm hearing that it's, that it's a struggle particularly for commercial projects to get financing for those. How do we go about addressing that as an industry so that we can continue the forward? I, mean, we, I think we we can all agree we've seen great forward movement in the industry. How do we keep that momentum going when people are looking at it and still a little hesitant to, to finance a solar project? Well, let's, let's put it in context, right? <clears throat> We're no longer a small industry. We did 3.2 gigawatts this year. We probably had to finance between 12 and $14 billion of solar projects in 2012. Uh, 2013, we could be upwards of 20 billion dollars in finance. That's a lot of money for any industry. And and so, uh, you know, the bigger we get, obviously, the more expensive it becomes, um, or I should say, more difficult it becomes, and, and potentially the, the cost of, of, of financing becomes more expensive. And so, uh, bringing in some of the non-traditional players or the, the, the banks that haven't invested in this space to this date is important. Uh, I do not think we're going to see 
um, new programs like the loan guarantee program, which were so important for so many of the projects that we described before that are being built. Uh, but you will see additional solicitations from the loan guarantee program, which again will provide some of that um, some of that financing. Uh, uh, but ultimately, I think there needs to be more structure that attracts more financing into this industry from non-traditional sources. So. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier today about master limited partnerships and how those can be used, if properly designed structurally, to provide uh, tax equity financing. But again, the bills that have been introduced today don't get us there. Um, the second piece is, is to look at solar REITs, another structure. We're working with the administration on that. It's not ideal, but it, it, it can free up some money for some segments of, of the industry. Um, the third is, is addressing the public welfare investment uh, issue associated with banks, which is very simplified, means banks have to hold a certain amount of assets in reserve for every investment that they make, unless it's a public welfare investment, in which case the ratio that they have to hold onto their books compared to what they invest is substantially lower. So it becomes a very attractive investment for them um, because they don't have to hold back so much money. Uh, we're working on that as well. And then finally is kind of the, the, the crowd-sourced or, or based financing. Uh, that you see in Solar Mosaic and, and uh, now a couple of other companies start to introduce, where you have small investors putting money into solar project development. So again, these are four different mechanisms, all uh, one you know, truly just entrepreneurial market-based, the other is kind of regulatory or legislative-based, um, that can attract a whole series of new financing uh, to the solar space, but not just for this year, but for the foreseeable future. And that, in my opinion, that's what it's going to take. So let's talk policy for a minute. You know that happens to be a ballywick of mine. What what do we see at the national level? What do we see at the state level that is going to affect um, the solar space uh, moving forward? Do we see, for example, for utility scale projects in the southwest, do we see legislatures raising those RPSs again? I know I've talked to people in Colorado who said they're going back to the legislature and asking for that kind of stuff. Um, with the retirement of Senator Bingaman, do we have another champion in the Congress to bring out something like a clean energy standard for uh, nationally? Um, what what do you see on the horizon, again, nationally and on a state level, that you find either encouraging or discouraging as far as the industry is concerned? Well, you know, one thing that just happened that, that hopefully is not an indication of other things to come, but if you look at what happened, just happened in Arizona, uh, with the, the PUC or the Corporation Commission, Arizona Corporation Commission, they essentially, what they approved in terms of the incentive funding for the state uh, was significantly lower not only than what the commission staff had proposed, uh, but far lower than what the utilities themselves had proposed. So this is a, you know, a case where the, the, the regulators really very clearly uh, in that case, and you know, it's a case where they are elected commissioners, elected officials are, are making a decision that is really going to set the solar industry back in Arizona. And it's, you know, it's, it's been somewhat controversial between the utilities and the solar industry in that state. Not always, but you know, it's not been ideal either. But this is a case where the utilities asked for a lot more incentive money than the regulators ultimately approved them. Um, you know, to, to utilize for 2013, and the commercial market is essentially all going to pretty much collapse mm -hmm. in Arizona as a, result, as a result of it, and the residential market is going to be a lot harder sell. So, you know, again, that's one example, but hopefully it's not, you know, not a sign of other things to come in other places. 
but it's, it's a, an example of some of the challenges from a policy perspective that, that the industry faces. Well, just to build on that, I mean, we saw the RPS challenge, legal challenge, in Colorado last year. Uh, we had the net metering issues in California, Massachusetts, and three or four other states. I mean, I don't want to focus on all the negative here, but you know, <laughs> we got we to be realistic. We've we got to run some serious defense, and these are, these are fundamental programs, right? You roll back the RPS um, in Colorado. And, and again, this is a Koch Brothers-funded uh, initiative to try to roll back that RPS, and, and as well as in other states. So we have, have had to legally defend that, and it's not inexpensive, but it's critical. Uh, because uh, obviously RPSs are an underlying policy um, structure that supports our industry. Uh, net metering is another one, and we need to make sure that we also you know, fundamentally support um, these, these, these programs and continue to expand net metering as opposed to, to, to dismantle it. Um, <clears throat> but there's also a very bright side in the sense of what we can be running offensively to, to, to grow the industry, and, and you know, we kind of really look at it in three different categories, expanding markets, removing uh, market barriers and improving financing, and we talked a little bit about the improving financing piece. Um, a big part of what C is doing is working on, uh, you know, a long-term strategy of what we do from an incentive side. Yeah, I think the, the wind industry um, never got together as an industry effectively to come up with what is their long-term PTC requirement, and subsequently we're at right up to the deadline with it expiring, and um, you know, got it extended, but you know, for one year and, and uh, not a great outcome. <coughs> we want to avoid that, so, so clearly that's a big push of what we're doing. Uh, one of the provisions that were included in the, in the uh, PTC was a commence construction provision, which allows, very similar to the 1603 program, if you commence construction by the end of 2016, um, you would be able to take the investment tax credit, regardless of when it was actually put in service. And so it extends that life for a couple of years, um, at least for the big projects. So we're working on that and trying to get that included. Um, there's another. Uh, there's a number of other trade issues, codes and standards issues, uh, and a wide variety of, of, of other policies that we're working on at the federal level. But to answer your question about um, Senate Energy and, and um, Chairman Bingaman leaving, he's being replaced by uh, Senator Wyden from uh, from Oregon, who is a great champion of renewable energy, who also sits on the Finance Committee, uh, which is the Tax Writing Committee in Congress. Uh, he is actually just um, hired away from us, uh, our Vice President of Regulatory Affairs, Dan Adamson. So we've got a, uh, you know, a proponent of solar and, frankly, somebody who really understands the industry very, very well, um, uh, sitting as senior counsel to that committee. Um, but I don't think you're going to see big energy bills. I think what you're going to see are targeted, narrowly focused pieces of legislation coming out of that committee. So there may be, you know, there'll be a hydro bill, there'll be a nuclear waste bill, and there'll be, you know, uh, some other natural gas bill. So you know, ultimately what we'd like to try to get initiated out of Senate Energy um, is, it, you know, is a solar-specific bill, addressing some of the challenges we face. Um, you know, some of the things that we've talked about here, net metering, uh, you really can't do it all that effectively at the federal level, unfortunately, but you certainly can use the Senate Energy Committee to highlight the importance of these issues through hearings and, and, and other such things. Um, we can certainly get the Department of Energy to do studies, and, you know, focusing on, again, the value or the quantification of the value or the benefits of solar and those other things that support some of the activities at the state level. So, you know, in my opinion, it's going to be a huge year from a policy perspective, both in getting actual things done to advance the solar industry as well as position ourselves uh, for the long run, and that's going to take place both in Washington and at the state level.